The Westwood One Podcast Network. The pain had built up. You know, I'm on deployment, so I have like guns and knives and, and my Glock sitting there. It was a moment in time where I really thought about it. Like, I really thought about it. And I was just like, I have a family. I'm not quitting on them. Because in that moment in time, like when you decide to pull the trigger, you're quitting on everyone and everything in one moment. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Welcome back to another episode, guys. We are so excited to be uh, hosting uh, somebody who actually went to Bud's, I think, with Marcus. Is that right? He did. Yep. Another one of our own and a classmate of mine. Marcus so. went to Bud's with everybody because he was there for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to go through one time. I like to call it just ex- extended training. <laughs> People oh, ask me why I'm shorter than Marcus. I always say because I kept my head under the boat during Hell Week. I broke my leg. I didn't break my neck. <laughs> and my head was under the boat. I just got back from a, a podcast conference and uh, spent the last week in Orlando, guys, and it was freaking awesome. We got a uh, learned a lot of cool stuff, a lot of a lot of cool things coming for the show. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in every week. It really means it means the world to us, and uh, we couldn't do it without you guys. As we always do, uh, we got a Patreon question of the day uh, coming from our friend Ben Cook. And he says, this is completely random and also thought-provoking, but would you rather have a third eye or a third arm? Third arm all day. Where's the eye at? Where's the eye at? Where's the eye at? <laughs> <laughs> is it in the back of my head? Because that would be cool. If the third eye is in the front, no, I'd go with the third what, eye. What's, like on the palm of your hand where you can like bend it around the corner? Oh, that, that would be pretty cool. Right. Of course, we would ask where the, where's the eye? eye. Yeah, I'd go for a third eye. No, I'm going with the arm. You're going with the arm. Absolutely, Why? all day. I get pretty bound up with just two hands. Having three would be. You could hold. You could hold your. You could hold. You could drive. Hold your Yeti and shift gears. <laughs> Never have to put your drink down. Yeah. You could have your hand on yourself as a man, twenty four seven, in your pocket. Nobody would know. Scratch an itch. Well, Ben, there you have it. You've got Great one third question. eye and one third arm, but thanks for the question. With the arm. If you'd like to ask a question uh, and have it be on one of our episodes, you can head over to patreon.com slash team never quit. Join the team, and uh, you can ask your questions for next episodes. Uh, man, again, we've got a cool episode today and, and uh, can't wait to get after it. But before we do that, let's jump into a listener story. Listener stories are our pride and joy. You guys share with us what you guys are going through, what your never quit attitude is, and, and we get to just 
enjoy that experience with you guys. So uh, let's jump right into that. So our story comes from Kevin says, never give up. Hi team, never quit. Thank you for your service. Love your podcast. Always helps me push through. I was born with Agent Orange from birth. Wow. I was born with no bladder, one kidney, and several different health issues. I've had over 68 surgeries to date. Every day is a battle, but I'll never give up. I always push myself to overcome. I run marathons and help with a PTS group, as I have it myself. And I try to help others fighting the same battles. Just want to tell you guys, hi, thanks for always being such great motivational people in other people's lives. Kevin, thank you for reaching out. It's a great story. Never quit, buddy. God bless. If you love the TNQ podcast, make sure you subscribe to get notified about our latest episode each week. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any other podcast player available. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests, including surfing legend Laird Hamilton, Dan Crenshaw, and Mike Ritland. Do you want exclusive access to the show and bonus behind-the-scenes content? Then join us at Patreon. You're going to get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content, access to the exclusive Patreon community where you can support others and you get rare access to Morgan, Marcus, and all of our incredible guests. And, uh, man, we've got so many people joining over the last few days. Rebecca, Kyle, all of you guys that are joining, we are so grateful to have you. Reagan, David. We are super, super pumped to have you guys be a part of the team. Help us put this show on every week. And more than anything, be a part of this community that supports each other and encourages each other to never quit. So if you want to be a part of that team, head over to patreon.com slash team never quit. All right, let's get into today's show. All right, brother. It's been a long time since we uh, since we've seen each other. You got the missus with you. Uh, for those for our listeners out there, we got one of our own in here, Mr. Dan Luna. Uh, dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> I did the sound effects guy too. Nice. Uh, if you want to introduce bring yourself, the please introduce the missus. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Here with my wife Leslie. My wife's name, aka Leslie too. my husband, aka my brain. What, what was that? My wife's name's Leslie, too. Oh, yeah. And my muscle. Sometimes she's my muscle. Not my wife. Dan's wife. <laughs> how long you guys been it's married? It's our 20-year anniversary. Uh, not, I know. Not Leslie and I's. Marcus and I. It's how, long you, how, how, long you, how long you guys been married now? Oh, man. You just put me 13 years. That speaks volumes to a uh, a soft marriage. They usually don't go that the distance oh yeah she's a team guy right no doubt about it so thank you for your service young lady yeah so th- this is gonna be a good time man we're gonna get to catch up and then uh, find out what you're doing now man because I, I i even though we haven't seen each other in a while we picked up right where we left off when you came up in here man and uh that as it should be so and when we start lying she's gonna be like that's bullshit yeah. <laughs> that um, didn't happen we'll start off in the uh in the beginning I, hey I, i'll introduce you I, dan and i went through buzz together man we were just we were fresh still behind the ear early 20 how old are you when you came in 20 yeah I, I was 21 i think and um man kind of the, we're about to get into the rest of that history part of it but it all started there i can't believe it's flown by that fa- i can't believe we're at 20 years yeah i mean i was talking to some other guys too when you say it out loud it's it's different i also got this dropped on me the other day too man so a buddy of mine was talking about he was at a uh a, a flea market with his kid and there was some uh, vhs vhs tapes in a box he's like hey dad what's that He's yeah. like, oh man, those are tapes. You put them in this machine. You used to play the movie on the TV. He's like, oh, well, that's back in the 1900s, right? 
I was like, ah, I never heard about it like that. But literally, man, we're back from the 1900s when it comes to <laughs> say we're about to fight. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, yeah, that's because when we graduated and we came out, man, it was right at right during 9/11. You had just come in, right? You had just got into the teens, but right before that, yeah, give, give, little, they give our listeners a little, a little background. Where are you from? So, Bud's class two two eight, pre nine eleven. I think it was re- it was a really interesting time when we came into the teams, right at that moment, right before nine eleven, just to see the culture of the teams, even the structure of the teams, and in twenty years, how much has changed from wearing Vietnam Air kit. You know, I went to Team One. I did ten years at Team One. And so uh, Team One, a, a heavy Vietnam-influenced team. So to go to have a lot of those lessons and hear the, the older frogmen talk about Vietnam. And then I did, uh, from Team One, uh, screened, went to Dev Group, did some time there. Ended up getting hurt late 2013, did another rotation, and it was just time for me to kind of take care of me our relationship issues I was going through spot at the Naval Academy opened up, went to Naval Academy, which ended up being honestly one of my best tours finished up my time there, just retired in, in January. Um, but it was just crazy. So to go from Vietnam era and then to end with four tubes on my face, everything suppressed the electronics, everything down to the clothing that we had on. It was just, it's, it's been crazy in such a short period of time just to see the technology. I remember that too very vividly. And to give you a little history lesson on the on the SEAL teams, one and two were the first teams. The rest of us kind of spawned out of that, and they were integrated into the to the Navy during the Vietnam era. So the presence of the Vietnam generation is is real. It's heavy throughout the teams, but it's real heavy there. And um, I remember when we landed in Baghdad it was my first deployment, and we had green flak jackets on from the Vietnam yeah. guys. That we were wearing those because we had to do the transition over from the from the team three guys that were already over there. We had Vietnam tactics. I remember yeah. when when the guys were coming back and going up from uh, off a of deployment into Tradet, and they had the mashed cheese at Tradet. The Vietnam guys and the Vietnam trained guys who trained us in the tactics, and, you, and we're desert fighters, and they're like, "Hey, look, this is not really how you're supposed to do it. And you can't, you don't have an E five telling a mashed chief what to do." Yeah, and that's when they had that influx of uh, brass. Into, into the theater. Remember yeah. all that? Yep, yep. Team 3 had that sign up said, never before have so few been led by so many. Yeah. Because everyone was trying to get in there and, and get their rotations. So even for that, it was crazy too because we didn't even wear body armor. So during land warfare, you're not wearing body armor and helmets. Taboo. We didn't even have... So we had nods in the inventory. We didn't use it. We walked everywhere. Shot flares. Yeah. So my first deployment was, so 9-11 happens, and then we ended up going to Kuwait for a little bit because they were still enforcing UN sanctions in the Gulf. So from Kuwait, the uh, the desert the desert cowboys, I'm trying to, the DPVs. DPVs, yeah. So they spun up the DPVs, so they were out there with us, and then we ended up going to which Afghanistan. Are, which is a dune buggy, a squad of SEALs and dune buggies. The old Doom buggy. Right, right. Yeah. From the from 90s, right? Yeah, the, the, yeah. the Delta Force style. That's right. Chuck Norris <laughs> Doom buggies. Super cool, though. Missiles everywhere. <laughs> That's right. Rocket launchers on the side. <laughs> so we get to Afghanistan, and we end up pulling out. Not, so we were figuring out basically how to conduct while we were there. I remember that. 
That's pretty. That's spot on too. Because think about that. We had to learn how to fight in in country with with new gear it hadn't even been tested. Mm. Most of that stuff that we had done the workout with, and then getting your battle rhythm takes what a month and some change, yeah. and breaking all that stuff in. It, it's funny because I remember on the, you heard your chief say this too. As we got further and further into the war, you, you, when you're a new guy, when you go on deployment, you had how many cruise boxes, how many pair of bags, and then that third, fourth deployment, you had a cruise box, one pair of bag. Mm-hmm. How was it going from such a, an aggressive op, op tempo or operational tempo with the guys to going to the academy? It had to be a... So I, the, yeah, what's it, what's it feel like from going to making history to reading it <laughs> or teaching it? So, so much happened in a, in a short amount of time. And that's almost part of my, my never quit story. And I was listening, I've been listening to you guys all the time. So thanks for it. Like it's, it's awesome. One, it's awesome. Just catching up. Like it's been too long. And then it's awesome. Just sitting here being part of this podcast now. So much happened. And as I listened to other people's never quit stories, I go, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And as I was thinking about mine coming here, it was almost like a, a, a period of time. And I still feel for that phase of time, I'm, I'm still kind of not in it, but towards coming out of it, if you will. And, and I would say a big thing when we were on the plane and extortion happened. Mm-hmm. So just we've lost friends or at least I had lost friends throughout my time in the teams training overseas you know guys were close but losing Aaron on extortion you know he his family was living with me that was just that was like the first blow that kind of set the pieces in motion and then a few years later I lost my best friend Brad Kavner you know and it was just like the three of us and so just losing Brad the stress of the job, you know, so I stayed, I deployed every other year, basically for 15 years. So the, just the buildup of operational stress, the stress at, you know, just Leslie's a rock. And for just the relationship stuff that we were trying to get through, I ended up getting hurt late 2013. We were trying to get some, some pretty bad dudes in a, in a country at the time that was not no U S troops. Had some frags go off right next to me, had some breaches go off right next to me, you know, so multiple explosions, very close proximity in a very short amount of time. Like that really messed me up. I had eye issues, you know, the crazy glasses that you saw me earlier weren't. Had eye issues and then just work stress, did another deployment. My last deployment, I ended up, um, I was on the team that evacuated the embassy in Yemen did that and that was just right before that i did nico mm-hmm. so i hit i actually i did the brain clinic at portsmouth as well so hit two two brain clinics just trying to get better figure out what was going on i was on a ton of meds did that deployment that last deployment to yemen i had a day job and then i had a night job and so you're trying to work like do the day job and the night job and then being on those meds to try and sleep cold turkey mm. it's a powder um, keg what's that it's a powder keg but feeds itself yeah like it'll, you, it's you do gotta the meds go so you can work harder to to 
take your mind off of it to, to take get money to, to get more meds to you know what I'm talking about because yeah. we're not ever on that stuff yeah. until you get hurt. I mean, we they didn't dose that. We were joking about that earlier, man. We went into buds, kind of. We were all a little bitty and skinny. Yeah. And now after about nine rounds of anthrax and everything else, you know, we're yeah. six foot something and two hundred plus pounds. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> so it it, it is, yeah. and with that mentality, you, know, you kind of when you cold turkey it, you're going through all that. I kind of there's a reason why you go through a bad breakup in high school. It kind of affects your heart, right? Because anything you run into in life, it's meant to hang out with for about seven to nine days. After that, man, you, you start getting to attach to each other, right? And if it's, it's something you don't need to be messing with, then when you break up with it, 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 your body goes, you know, you think about it all the time. You're sweating when you're, when you're cold and, and, and vice versa. And then time goes by and you kind of heal up, but then you'll see it again, whatever it is. And you'll try, you know, all you'll remember is the good times. And you try to revisit it and then you'll get burned again. It's like, and then the bad breakup. And so if you, if you correlate anything, any, anything the body gets into, it takes about two weeks to form that habit. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then to break that is about two weeks. The memory will always be there. But ultimately, you just have to fill it with something else uh, to to black that void out. But every the because of the emotional contact we have, I mean, we're pack animals, and and the body is an amazing mechanism. It wants to feed this, so anytime it gets entertained by something, or if it if some if they give us something that takes the, the our ability to focus on something else we don't want to, and get attached to it. The crazy part is, is when you're coming off of it, your body like it remembers what it felt like to get that stimulant. And it'll put you back in it. That's what those ghost pains are. Mm. I was craziest thing after those back surgeries. Like, hey, you should feel fine. I was like, man, I, I don't. You know, I'm busted up. Mm. Well, keep keep going, Dan, because our listeners and just the veteran community, it, you're very relatable, and you're explaining it very well. And what I'd want to get out of what you're trying, what you're telling us is is how you climbed out of the hole. So sometimes people describe it as hitting bottom. For me, just sitting here, like, kind of reflecting back and almost seemed like I kind of bounced around at bottom. It was like to tink started to come up to tink started to come up to dink. A frog man that couldn't get your buoyancy right. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then finally started to get the buoyancy right and start to surface. So I think the biggest thing that really when I think the moment in time when I went cold Turkey was depression in Yemen, work it like death, physical injuries, trying to sleep, on meds, marital issues. It was just Armageddon. Everything. <laughs> and then I'm back on deployment, trying to maintain it. I was running one of the things we had going on out there. So doing the best that I could. And it was a daily – my mantra at the time was just be a good dude. Because all I wanted to do was stay in my room, not get out of bed, like heavily in depression, not showing it, keeping it locked in. Somebody would come up like, hey, what's up, bro? What do you need? You know, just take care of your people. Be a good dude. Take care of your people. So it's Christmas Day, 2014. Out there, <clears throat> same thing, just lost. We had actually just lost Brad, lost some other teammates, uh, Brett Shadel. Nick Chack. So, like, all this had happened in a short period of time. Christmas morning, pull up my email. I got an email from a friend of mine actually in uh, Somalia. So, I was there on the deployment before. So, I'm in Somalia. Or, so I, I email him. 
I actually tried going back there because of the relationship that I had with him. Merry Christmas. Be safe. We're talking. Four hours later, knock on my door. Guy comes in. He's like, hey, Dan, um, XO wants to see you. I go downstairs. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, call so-and-so. So-and-so was was in uh, Somalia. So I was like, oh. And it's just one of those things, almost like when we were on the plane, landed, turned on my phone, like 50 miss, missed calls and text messages. And I, I think I looked at you and I was like, somebody's dead. Mm-hmm. Like it just, you just know it. Yeah. So he steps out of the office. I have goosebumps right now. I'm just like thinking about it. I was like, somebody's dead. And I'm thinking, who are my team members? Who are the team members over there that he's getting ready to tell me about? Sure enough. And he didn't even hear me. I, I call him, picks up the phone. I was like, oh, who's dead now? Didn't even remember. He was like, he had in his mind, like, this is my script. Yeah. So he tells me, hey, Brett's, Brett got killed. There was an attack on the base. Al-Shabaab came on. They were dressed up. Brett responded. Um, you know, tried saving a guy's life. Ended up getting shot in the head. Died instantly. And it was just that another blow with a guy who I was just talking to. And it was just, that was kind of like that last crack in the thing. And I was just like, fucking done. And it was, it was that moment in time where I really like paused. And I was just like, what is this all for? Like, the fuck you doing, man? Like, just the the pain had built up. And it was really, you know, I'm on deployment, so I have, like, guns and knives and all my stuff. And my Glock sitting there. And I was just like... And it was a a moment in time where I really thought about it. Like, I really thought about it. And then I thought about me thinking about it, and I was just like... Like, that hit me. And I was just like, holy smokes. What? And so at that time, I was just like, I'm off the meds. I'm off everything. Like, I have a family. I'm not quitting on them. Because in that moment in time, like, when you decide to pull the trigger, you're quitting on everyone and everything in one moment. Yeah. And so it was that moment where I was just like, nope. So I went cold turkey on the meds, ended up coming home. You know, I didn't, I've only told maybe like three people that, that piece, because there's such a kind of a stigma. Stigma, it. yeah. So I get home, took order, you know, we end up evacuating the embassy. I fly to, I fly to Norfolk. I get in a cab. All I had is a backpack because we evacuated Take a cab home. I have the cab drop me off like a flu- uh, few blocks from my house. That ended up being my decompression stop. She had no idea what's going on, where I was at or anything. So I walk home, just kind of looking up at the sky like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on with your life, man? So I knock on the door. They're surprised. So a few weeks later, I'm at the Naval Academy and I checked in early. I checked in on a Wednesday because that Friday was a SEAL screener. And the SEAL screener was to screen midshipmen who want to get orders for buds. So that Friday, I'm, I'm running a SEAL screener 
at the Naval Academy. And so the best, like the visual that I use, cause it's literally how I felt people are like, Oh, picture them naked. Like I felt like I was a naked one walking around and everyone was looking at me. I literally felt like a Martian or like a Martian on another planet. Cause I went from doing like high level, like POTUS level operations, presidential stuff, like at this elite place. And now I'm shaving twice a day. I'm in khakis. I have all my stuff. So I went from covert to like extreme overt <laughs> yeah. overnight. And it was, so to go from that and then what was nice is I had this long transition while I was there. So this long off ramp. So kind of all the weird stuff that guys go through when they transition, I was able to go through there. And I couldn't believe, somebody told me, they're like, hey, whatever you think of transition, times it by 10. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, maybe for you, but not for me. Transition is the craziest. Hey, you two, you guys have dedicated your lives, your identity, most of your adult life, you've learned this craft. And you've poured your sweat, blood, your tears. You've lost your family members. You've done all this. And now in a moment of time, okay, you're good. We're done. Or you're done. And now you're a 40-year-old man or, you know, or woman. Or you're, you're now going to go do, and now you have to be a new guy at something else. Mm-hmm. And your identity is so tied in to this. And deeply connected. So even when we do get out, it's so connected. And to and to change that, it's it's crazy. Well, in order to change it, you gotta you change it just like you developed it. You can't. There, you can't in that short period of time. That's, what I'm talking, that's exactly right. Not in a short period of time. It didn't take a short period of time to develop it either. It took a long. Well, there time. was someone, and there, again, there was a, a team of individuals helping you create that ego and that person that you were for so long. And when you get out, I think this is where folks transitioning need to know there's nobody there to teach you how to be a civilian again. I lived up in grad school and I was like, Oh my God, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the weird one here. Yeah. (laughs) You're an alien on another, on another planet. I literally had that same epiphany. You did. I was like, I'm the strange one. How do I fix this? For me, I was very fortunate to be at the Naval Academy. And I, and I, sometimes I would tell the midshipmen, the students there, I was like, hey, I use you guys as therapy, just so you know. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, Chief Luna, like, can you come talk this class about this thing, you know, leadership or combat? Or I was like, yeah, sure. And, I, and that, was, that was my therapy session. Because the thing, like, Naval Academy is a university. Mm-hmm. Top five. There's no, yeah. So the place isn't built to support guys like me. So if I had stayed at, at my last command, there's therapists there. I had a therapist. You know, so I was working with people there to help. And then I went there, I think I went through like five or six and I was very, very polite. I'd sit down, we'd have the conversation and then I'd stand up and I'd shake their hands. I'd thank them for their time and I'd, I'd leave. Cause it's, it's a relationship. And they would just, when I sat down, they just assumed because of their position that I would just open Good to up. go. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that's not how this is going to work. That's not how this rolls at all. So I'm actually a big fan. I run the the DC FOB, or I don't run it. I'm part of the leadership team in DC for the SEAL Future Foundation. Mm -hmm. Huge advocate for them. They have those FOBs 
four seals built in communities and their thing is it's community so as soon as you exit you know whether it's virginia beach or san diego hey i want to move to denver hey i want to move to boston hey i want to move to dc you're put into a community of of your family so you have the network you have the community you have that sense there you have that that team to to reach back into and a team you're familiar with how long has it been total since you gotten out I just retired in January. For every 10 you're in, it takes about two to detox. Mm. And kind of, that's the number I've been crunching in my head. It's just stepping away from, from the guys. But the cool part is, is that our guys are advancing out and we're slowly getting back together and you know, rebuilding that team on the outside and raising our families. And, and uh, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. I mean, they get, you have all those skills for a reason. A lot of the time when you get out, man, it's because you don't have anywhere to apply it. But you can apply it anywhere. And I mean, with us, we're specialists, right? So it's what we did on, on the line. Now we do out in the yard and in the kitchen for the wife and everything. Because they, they've let us do that for that long. And now when you get out, it's, it's kind of like, man, I appreciate you letting me do that. And I'm going to dump everything. Now it's all over here. I'll just follow that that kind of guideline and when you're slipping into the hole man it doesn't have a lot of people think that that you know you can see it coming it's that's not how it works you're it's like it. a, little, a little injury on your finger man you're just like oh it's just a little injury i'm gonna pay attention to it and then it kind of festers and grows into infection and then go and that's the same way with slipping into the hole of depression or anything else it's like oh i'm just gonna hang in here for about five minutes right and then the next day it's like oh just maybe about ten, or you won't even do it the next day skip a day or two and then it's then it's 10 minutes and then the next thing you know it's it's equal to itself and then it just kind of takes over and before you realize what we signed up for and what everything that you're doing is not fun to you anymore and and that's a travesty because that's that's why we signed up so once you you know you kind of step back and you remember you, you always remember what you are and how well you you're trained i mean a lot of times we got in those situations it was so bad that you're like man it's just bad <laughs> but yeah. that's the stuff we we craved for and we we yearned for it's what identifies us you know gold is forged in fire so the hotter the fire the purer the gold and as you man, step through it look at your perspective now it, everyone sets their own rock bottom i liked your analogy too i just kind of bounced down there and that was a cool part about being a teens man every time you go down a hole we were always there you know watching 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 and you know you swim by yourself back up and we'd go over that that's that's how that worked up until the point they separate us and it was therapeutic for me too I, I did the same route. I didn't completely, I came off the line, but then I just got stationed with the writer and had to do that. And then, so I was always talking about it. And then people would talk back to me about it and, and it would, stuff I didn't remember. Mm. Uh, and I was like, man, I completely forgot about that. And then it's almost one of those deals where you, when you, when we run out of the gate, you're running as far and as fast down the, the rabbit hole as you, you can go. And because that's the thing, you're, that's the direction you're supposed to be going but it's ultimately it's just training right and then once you figure out your real destiny you got to stop turn around and go back up and then just kind of patch all the spots that you you caved yeah. in on the way up and then when you get outside of it, man we're sitting there waiting on you like hey let's go man we're ready so what's really what you just what you said uh the two to ten kind of ratio so i did almost four years at the naval academy and it's funny when i first showed up there i was like oh in a year I gave myself a year and then a year went by and I was like, okay, well that went by quick and I'm still unwinding. So it was about that four year mark, which put me to retirement in January. And I finally felt kind of good. Calm. Right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I felt in a, in a better place in that short time span, 
had gone through so much. You know, Leslie and I had gone through a lot in our relationship. Um, and just how, how I saw things, how, my perspective on life. And then I hit transition, right? So then it was retirement. And that I kept asking my, myself that question, you know, so what's next? Or what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And then I switched it to, who do you want to be? So that be to do, and it's like, well, what's your being? It's like, well, my being's that of strength and service. Those are the things that I've always valued. How it showed up for 20 years was in the SEAL teams. And now how do you want your being to show up in now the civilian life? The doing's going to change. Those values are still there. Strength, service. So it's like, hey, I still serve now. The doing just shows up differently. Even when I talk to civilians and they're like, oh, I you know, I was never in the military or I didn't do this. Or, and I was just like, you don't have to wear a uniform to serve. You know, there's plenty of people, you know, Bill Krause with Mission Barbecue and huge service-minded oriented supporter. You don't wear a uniform. You go into any of these mission barbecues and there's military, police, fire, huge uh, guy of service. It just shows up differently. So part of the transition, I was just real blessed to do, um, I was plugged in the leadership department at the Naval Academy, co-taught a class called Code of the Warrior. I was involved in some classes preparing the, called practicum for the seniors that were going to receive orders to BUDS upon graduation. So I helped develop some curriculum there, um, essentially classes like, hey, when I was a young frogman, what were the things that I wish somebody would have talked to me about that n nobody talked to me about? So we started real basic. So did man a manhood class, and it wasn't like Chief, Lu Chief Luna's like 10 tenets to manliness. It was just very Socratic. We would just talk about it. So I create the space, and then we would just have dialogue in around it. So we talk about that. So can develop right instead of just kind of yeah. just a moment in time. We're going to think about it because a lot of times we're just we're busy, we're busy doing this, busy doing that. So I almost create the space to reflect, hold the space to think about these things. So manhood was one non-physical training. How do you train in the in the non-physical world? Um, talk about warrior, what it means to be a warrior. So we talked about these different things. And the one that actually has gotten the most traction, and I'd mentioned I'm getting ready to do apply for a PhD. So it started out as a violence class, almost like a violence awareness class. So I have these young guys, much like I was a good kid when I first came in, been in, you know, little fights, like typical, I think typical stuff. And then you come in the SEAL teams and then you're seeing dead bodies, you're seeing life taking, you're seeing bombs drop, like you're seeing war. And so that shock of it, and I was even, I was talking to Andrew, I was like, hey, think about the system that we have right now, what we're running. If I wanted to, if I really wanted to shock you, what would I do? I would use some deception or I would not, when I say deception, I even put like, I wouldn't tell you about something. Let's say you hate clowns and I put this clown in this cabinet. I'm like, hey, I got you a surprise. Like, go open the cabinet. It's going to be awesome. This is amazing. And then you open the cabinet and this clown drops, jumps out. And you're like, what? Oh. And that's essentially when you look at PTSD. That's what we're doing to our soldiers. 
hey, being this is awesome and this huge esprit de corps and we train and we do all this stuff and then they go over to combat and it's this massive shock and the speed and the volume of these things. And then there's, it's taboo to talk about it. And, you know, for some of these things to, and then, and then you talk about transition. And so the things that weren't honored in one community, you're like, oh, I can't do that in this other thing, or it's viewed differently, or I can't talk like this, or I can't behave like this. I was awarded for these things here, and now it doesn't match this other thing. So when you look at the warrior reintegrating into society... So it's real interesting to kind of tie these pieces working with the Code of the Warrior class. And then as I was going through my own transition, <clears throat> and at the time I was I was knocking out my academics. So I finished a bachelor's. Uh, I got accepted in a program at Georgetown. Uh, did my master's there. I just finished Georgetown's uh, leadership coaching stuff. So as I'm going through academics and in this academic mind in the academic environment i was starting to look at kind of our system so if we were to look at a warrior culture we would talk about the raising of the warrior so now you look at western culture well how do we raise our warriors maybe through sports maybe through things like that so it's it's there might be some intimacy with with violence as they're on the lacrosse field or maybe football some of the other sports don't have that contact but then when you looked at a developed society, we're not in and around the things that the countries that we go over to, how their society rotates. So when you actually look at their warrior culture, they use the same framework. And it's really that observer role for the kids. So for me as a 20-year guy that's just retired, my son has never seen me lock and load. He's never seen me put on nods. He's never seen me come back with blood on my camis. He hasn't seen the communications the supply train and all those things. So going through this and seeing these, how the past warriors have trained and how they were connected with violence and how we're disconnected with it. I really just tried changing the conversation and creating awareness and shifting perspective for these young men to try and prepare, uh, prepare them for what they're getting ready to go into. So just over the four years it's developed. And so what I call it is pre-traumatic coaching. So to now to look at something and address these things prior to. So I'm getting ready to apply um, to Cambridge. They have a center for violence there. There's a professor there. So I have to lay everything out. Um, and I'm really looking to, I've worked with some SWAT teams. Uh, it was funny the way I opened up. It was like, hey, raise your hand if you've killed somebody. And I already knew the answer because I, I was working with the senior guy. And the energy, the emo emotional leakage in the room was so chaotic. And I started laughing. I was like, this is why I'm here. And this is why we're going to talk about these things. Because you all have guns on your hips right now. And you're all in this, this job. And yet we don't talk about it. And now we wonder why there's PTSD. And now so many people are having issues. So I've been working on basically all this curriculum just to try and create awareness, shift perspective around trauma that somebody is most likely going to step into. Mojo and I, first 40 years of our life were for, uh, you know, no wife, no kids, married that lifestyle for training. Started training when we were seven years old. 
just like when you're talking about with kids and how do you train them for violence, it's just kind of like your dad wrestles around with you for a little bit. Ultimately, you do this because it's, there's violence everywhere else. In order to have a peaceful society, you have to have that wall on the outside, correct? And then it, 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 from wrestling around to sports, then to in, in, in the martial arts and, and hunting. Hunting. Is yeah, hunting. And then, then the, what we watched on television. And then you graduate to the next level, which is you join the military, which is a combat unit, which is where it's around all the time. But we're not in combat all the time. We still have downtime with our families and stuff like that. It's just, and as you, you progress through that, everything becomes an extension of yourself and what you put in your hand. Like normally we could hit somebody right in front of us, now we can hit them two miles away, mm -hmm. right? And then if you look at the, that first 40 years is Bud's never ending. Imagine that first 40 years is just Bud's for life training. What, what, kind of, what kind of warrior are you gonna be in it, right? So as we train through buds throughout life, and then they, as you, you know, you go into the academy, you start training, then you get to fight in some tournaments, and more. I'm just using that analogy, right? Yeah. And then you go home, and it's all you want to get better, so you watch it on TV, and you go and you train it to where that's ultimately you can spin your cycle up to where that's activated the entire time. To what even and the problem was with us, just you know, all the guys are around when we go home with it, they're still around. Like, hey, did you see this? And it's, it just doesn't calm down. The pinnacle of that is when we when when we're out there and you're like, man, dude, what? I lost the bubble, man. I, I'm, you know, I, 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 you can literally push your, your, you know, through the warrior past it. Right. And you're kind of like, whoa, hold on for a second, man. I, we just went past what I, I I'm kind of holding on to. And then you feel like you've been beaten. The problem is, is with us is like right after that warrior mentality, it's just like you shift your civilian like that, you know, back from combat civilian, boom, like that. And just like, okay. And then you're not around anybody. Well, that has to come down, right? That always talking about it, always in the in the mindset, even watching war movies and whatnot. And that's the best part about our wives are seals themselves, so they're they're not around. They don't carry the gun like that, but their mentality is to deal with us, right? And I can always tell which one of Morgan's kids was born when he was in, as opposed to one when he was a laureate, you know, at school, because that just it's like that that whole fever pitches into everything that we are because we push it that far. And you never come out of it. So that first 40 years, just training in the academy. And then day one week when you step out after 40 with the wife and the kids, man, that's buds again. Yeah. You so just, you trained with it. So right there, just, so there's, when you come in, so think about the rhetoric. And I'm not trying to, so if we were to look at this objectively, logically, and give violence, just for a moment in time, neutral value, not positive, not negative, no morality on it, just looked at it as a tool. So there's, there's conflict when you have like the, I hate calling them kids, but the young men and women at the Naval Academy, when they come in, they're good kids and they go from a world of violence is bad. So they actually attach a morality to it. They attach a polarity to it. And then you come in and now you're awarded for these things. Now you're learning about it. And now, so it shifts. So there's conflict it was like, and I would tell them like, Hey, raise your hand if you think violence is bad. And a lot of them would raise their hands. I was like, hey, you realize when you put on a uniform, you're going to either support or participate in acts of violence. So violence is bad, therefore you are bad. By definition. By definition. You know what the myth is, right? It's because we're not the ones that instigate the violence. We're the ones that show up for it. However, but we are the ones still defining the violence. And what tool are you using? Violence. That's my point. It's like, hey man, you, you tell... I got told to come do this. You think kids over in Afghanistan and Iraq think what they do is violent? Well, what is... For them, we defined the violence. That's why the kids that you teach thinks that it, think, think that it is violent. 
And now that's the other piece, the observer role. So what would be, if we were to do research and look at the PTSD in Afghanistan for the Taliban, what do you think their PTSD rates would be? Zero. Yeah. Nothing. Probably super low. The closest we can get to, or at least that I've looked at, is Israel. Super low PTSD rates. So now that goes in the observer role, the power nature and nurture, the power of the environment how you grew up learning these they use the same warrior social template. norms we've 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 blanketed our next generation that if you join the military first and foremost you're going to come out with PTSD so now so that's the other thing i'm trying to change is the victimization mm-hmm. you can watch any tv show with some vet and they're all messed up so that's the feed that we give the vet so there's there's conflict when somebody first comes in and then if we were to fast forward those 40 years those 20 years 12 years, whatever it is, then there's a contradiction when you leave the military because there's a disconnect between the warrior and society. Sure, because our society, I mean, the society that they go into when they get out of the military, they never really get out of it. It's a warrior culture society because their homeostatic baseline normal level is higher than ours. Like there's your normal level, then there's your freak out, right? And then you try to put as much distance between that as possible. That's called civilization. And when you get out, outside of this kind of bubble right here and you realize that the step between normal talking and violence is is a lot faster than it is here they can get to it faster that's the switch we're here you, you know you get in trouble for that and then you got to talk about it so when when they get done doing their violence and they do the thing they're just like hey good job man way to be you could keep going this that and the other and then when they get back here it's like why would you do that like us we're trained in it but we only deploy it in a, at a disciplined time, right. at an appropriate level, within. So now that you look at, you also talk about alignment, right? At what point, like, hey, my level of willingness, I could do these things. I don't do those things because of ROEs and policy. I'm not here for Dan Luna. I'm here for representing this nation. So therefore, my action should be aligned with policy. So just like if I go into a corporation, I do, you know, I measure their culture or I'm doing leader development and I'm putting stuff together, I'll, I'll look at the people in the system, whether it's comp plans, hey, does your system align with the behaviors that you're trying to get your people to do? So it's interesting. So when I went to school um, in leadership, but it was out of the school of business, I'm looking at a lot of these business formulas and I was like, man, all these would work actually in the military because people think like, we're, we're, I bet you some most of them were created from military. From military, yeah. Design, some, and it's interesting because a lot of a lot of the military folks will talk about things that. So I've studied leadership for years. The biggest thing. So I originally studied leadership because of my disappointment in the military. In leadership, yeah. In leadership in the military. So I started studying it, and then I was like, oh, no wonder we don't train it. We don't train it enough. So as I learned about all these things, all these tools at school, I was like, oh, no wonder. You're as good as you train it, right? If you breached for a week, one week out of a year, how good of a breacher would you be? You'd be a week's worth of- Nobody teaches you, they just talk about it. Yeah, we talk about, we think we're good because we just do it. But are you burning good repetitions or bad repetitions? Mm And so to get alignment of like, so even for new officers or new enlisted, when they step into positions, what is it? Oh, I'm here. So this is now what we're going to do because this is what I want. And now I'm in position. It's not about you. It's about the organization. Well, that's why the organization put them there. Otherwise, it wouldn't be leaders. 
and, and, and I mean, you can have a civil society of everybody yes. saying like, hey, man, let's just, I, don't okay, I don't care what happens. I don't care what happens. And then everyone gets tired of nothing happening. So they're like, hey, this guy, let's just let's, you do you make sure that this gets done right. In order to do that, we're going to have to teach you're going to be hard, harder than the rest. Right. That's the that's the make the rules go by. There has to be some there has to be a level of that. I disagree with saying we put leaders in positions because we want them. It's either a bottleneck, not all the time, but some of the times, you know the deal. There's nobody else to take that spot, so we're going to put them in there. Just tat- catastrophic loss, yeah, of organizational discipline. And then you get the, and then if you're lucky enough to get the ones in there that should be in there, then you have your success. What is your definition? It's tough. I think that's that's one thing. Good thing about America and the way it shifts power, because you're not supposed to be in there long enough to get to a spot to where it turns into it's except, just my way or the highway. Except for Congress and the Senate and the judiciary system. <laughs> I mean, you can negativity the whole thing. So, right so I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading the screen here. What is your definition of leadership? So I love the idea of like, hey, if you really understand something, you should be able to explain it very simply. So when I think about that, it's not even a sentence. Hey, explain it simply. Okay, well, what's your your elevator pitch in one line? I like breaking it down even more. What is your one word? So some describe it, that one word is influence. Some would say visionary. Some would say those things. And what's interesting, if you look at Western society, those would all be external things. If I go into a museum and I take a cassette tape and I walk around, I put on my headphones and it's just me, that's a what? Self-guided tour. So I'm guiding. I could follow it. I could not follow it, but it's guidance. And it's this inside out. I'm a huge believer on this inside out leadership. Leadership shows up in different ways, depending on your positions, depending on where you're at in life, depending on where you live. Everyone has, is able to be a leader. It's just going to show up differently. And people think like, oh, I'm in charge of the group. Not necessarily. How is your le- how are you leading yourself when you're in a team? How does that show up? How do you show up as a leader to those? And some would say, well, that's influence. Well, you're guiding yourself. And then through guiding yourself in your own actions, you can then guide others or influence others. It starts with guidance. So the one word I would use to describe leadership is guidance, whether it's yourself or others. You know, the largest genre in the... Library of Congress is books over leadership. The largest section in the Library of Congress, mm-hmm. only one specific one specific genre, is over leadership. You're right, though. The most powerful. I mean, who has the, the right one? Would be the the, the man. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I just answered. There it is. There it is. They put it out. Yeah. <laughs> if you can explain is. anything to anybody, yeah. if you could, if you could, you could, and it's through guiding yourself, through your taking action, through your thoughts, words, and deeds. That you're showing, this is how you show up as a leader. How do you show up? You show up differently. You're doing this, you're doing all the other things that we still need to catch up on. So how you show up as a leader, it looks different. You're guiding yourself through your journey. It just looks different, but you can still, if you're aware of it, and you ask that question, how do I want to present myself to the world? Almost going back to when I transition. What do I want to do? And we put so much emphasis on this external, this doing. Vice, who do we want? Who do I want to be? And through my being, who I am, how does that show up in my doing? And it's like, well, I still value these things. So that's how I wanted to show up in what I do. 
these are my values, my core values. This is my character. This is my virtues, and this is how it shows up. Oh yeah! Imagine if I snatch your ability to say I love you away. How would you show everybody? How would you how would you mm. do that? Right? I mean, mm. it's, it's take that verbal code away because words mean different things in different languages. And charity hurts, man. <laughs> Service with us, I mean, you can look at it any way you want, but it's just kind of like, hey, so, you know, you get up and go out every day for the betterment of everybody around you, and by doing that, you're you're chipping away at everything that you are and that's absolutely right that's what molds you in into that person where you're living your life to where as an example of everybody to to live it takes a while to do that too just like when we were talking about getting in the in the in the hole it doesn't happen over time it's a process i mean you gotta put the work in and when we were talking the other day about climbing a mountain with the peaks and the in the uh, the plateaus well those are there for a reason too because if you're just climbing the mountain straight up, man, you get worn out. You miss some stuff. You don't even enjoy the view, right? But as soon as you, as soon as you're about to be worn out, you get to that plateau. It's kind of like when we're working out, right? You just, and I was like, I hit a plateau. Like, well, man, maybe that's what you just sit back and enjoy what you've accomplished for a second. Well, even what we talked about yesterday, I'm trying to remember what you said. But it goes into we're just we're not on it by ourselves. No. So it's not it's it's not necessarily all about what you do but a lot of it's who you're doing it with yeah man who that's the best part about with. our program i mean i tell people like, hey, everyone in your life is a stone and you're a blade as you go through life they're either going to sharpen you dull you or polish mm. you out and if you're i mean there's nothing new in like the that. sun there's just the folks right it's a repetitive cycle and uh there's four of them right and we were talking about that it's the nomad the hunter and philosopher and i can't remember the other one but Start looking around. If it's getting dulled out, or you're hitting hit not a plateau. It's like going the other direction. Then it's time to time to shift. And the Lord works in funny ways, man. You 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 think you know what's going on. You keep pushing, keep pushing, and then just that stuff blows up around. Like I never happened, right? Never. I mean, in our 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 generation was kind of crazy, unique, man. Especially the guy we all came through at a certain time, right? Everything that happened was around the buds classes were kind of similar, right? You notice that? And um, how so? Like from the two hundred, oh, early well, 200s. First off, we had the last hard, hard, hard hell yeah, 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 hard yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to make that clear, clear. Yeah, I was there for years. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> My father-in-law sent me the, you know, that thing they they read at graduation. You swam to Cuba, back. To oh yeah, so yeah. He sent that to me. He sent that to me. Some. One How of crazy his, is that? I, yeah. I didn't know that one either. I heard that at a one of his coworkers. His his son had graduated, bud. So he was all proud. He sent it over. He sent it to me, and I texted back. I was like, "Yeah, them standards are definitely dropping." Totally <laughs> <laughs> <Can, laughs> took the wind out of his sails. Can we just make this like a two hour podcast? Because we've ju- we're just scratching the surface right yeah, now. We got nowhere to be. So now that uh, now that Mister Luna is out and about in the free world, in the real world, what kind of leadership are we bringing to the to the so, dinner table? So I've been so I've been so blessed. Leslie's just maintained a solid house. And so when I left and I was at the Naval Academy, actually had things going well there. And then my life back home was, was rocky. And I reached another bottom there where I had to come to grips with just me, a lot of my issues, a lot of the things that I talked about, you know, or I touched on with the violence piece, like, hey, I've killed people. And now with my faith... Um, you know, if, if man's made in the image of God, you know, I've destroyed that image. So I went just like through, like just really deep and asking these questions. And now if you get real taboo, well, I liked being a seal and I liked deploying and I liked being with my brothers and I actually didn't mind doing the things that I did. Wow. Now I'm, 
really a terrible person. So I went through this whole thing, this own exploration kind of by myself. And that's where I'm real passionate on this next move that I'm getting ready to make. Um, but I reached a point to where I just, I looked up, I looked up at the sky and it wasn't like, screw you God. Like there was none of that. It was just, I just looked up and I was just like, God, this is who I am. I was like, Brent, whatever you have to bring, bring it. I accept it. And I like did this like release of, of like traveling in my mind of all these bad things that could happen. All like I'm homeless. I'm dead. Like I lose everything. And I was like, I accept all this, like bring it like, this is who I am. I accept me. And the crazy thing that happened, you know what, you know what God did? He blessed me. And then he blessed me again. And that dropped me to my knees because I didn't deserve good. I deserved bad. I deserved bad things to happen to me because of who, who I was. And he blessed me and it absolutely crushed me. And I was just like, I'm so blessed to be here and the family and everything that he's given me and the support. And so just the mentors over the years as I now move forward you know, I've had, I'm real tied into a, a group called Sayoc. It's a martial art. We can talk about it more later. Um, they're, a, they're primarily a bladed martial art, but they have some deep philosophies um, within the warrior culture. Heavy influence with them. I've had some amazing mentors throughout my time, both at the Naval Academy, still in the teams. So now as I continue moving forward, how can I bring all of me forward as a leader with all with my academics and to bring what makes me make sense moving forward? And it's with and I'm really moving towards this pre-traumatic coaching. And it's this, hey, how can I and the and what I'm trying to create now, and it just it's just not for the military, but if I create this structure, this formula, if you will, it'll have how about nurses? How about firefighters? How about any first responder, right? Why don't we have this conversation prior to? Because when you talk about PTSD, it's like this failing formula, this feedback loop where, where it's the event happens and then the trauma. And then right now it's all reactive. Hey, this thing happened in the past. So I want to talk about the future. So how can we better equip those who are going to step into that environment and I have some like things that I've been working on for a while. And the, the PhD is to put the validation, to put the research behind it. They, so they'll call it preventative measures. And they've actually tried doing this. Psychologists have tried doing this before and they failed because they showed up with language of a victim. Hey, you know what? You're going to, it's terrible, but we're going to have to send you overseas and you're going to see terrible things. You may have to do terrible things. And then when you get through it, uh, you're going to go through a terrible transition and then you're going to go through all these terrible things. And what happened? What do you think happened? Because that was what they, they inputted. They had higher rates of PTSD because that's what they told them. That's what they uploaded. That's what they uploaded in the brain. So now it's, do we want victim language or do we want hero language? Hey, you know what? For thousands of years, people have been killing each other. 
That's just, that's a fact. It's a hard fact of life. And you know what? You're the few that have decided to roger up and to put your lives on the line. And you're going to go do this. You're going to go do this thing. Stay within these boundaries, but go and do these things. And you can come out, but you know what? You went and did those things. You rogered up so we can change the language around it, right? And build a relationship and make it something positive to now when you transition out, it's not the this guilt and the shame and then you have this victim language because the therapist can't even wrap their mind around it. They can't wrap their mind around it. So now to take that, that formula, how about for a firefighter? Hey, you're going to go to a car accident and you're going to go see a mangled body. So now what does that look like? How can we stair-step somebody up? So like a vaccine, right? Hey, flu season's coming up. You're going to be in and around it. I don't want you to catch it. It's going to do some harm. Hey, um, you're older, you're younger, you're this age. Hey, I want to build up. I want to arm, put some armor on you, not physical armor, internal armor. So I'm going to vaccinate you. And it's a series of three shots or whatever it is. And you're going to have this internal strength. So that's what I'm trying to design right now. Hey, I'm going to vaccinate you with these things. I just, cause you're going to go into a volatile environment and I'm going to show you these things and we're going to talk about these things. So when you see it and you're in and around it, you're less likely to now have the things that come out on the other side of it. Said so you're new to the space. We need it. And I have some other things going on. I'm trying to do a, a, I'm working on a leadership journal right now. So I'm moving. I'm trying to move from. Oh yeah, you're working on it right now. Yeah. So I'm trying to move from a, a service industry. Once again, I was really blessed. A company picked me up, uh, MFA up in Boston, like a boutique uh, business consulting firm. Just MFA. MFA. Motherfucking awesome. <laughs> motherfucking awesome. And they took me in with with open arms. So I've been around business consulting for the past year, and so. If I'm going to do this, P, I just, I literally just left. What, Wednesday was my last day? Wednesday was my last day. I just started a new company called 3LX. It, LX is Roman numeral for 60, so 360. I have a Native American medicine wheel, so it's this big representation. But I want to move from service to a product because I have a year. Ideally, I'm in school. So how can I still generate revenue while I'm in a PhD program? Good luck. Keep it, yeah, keep in touch of this product because I don't want to put all that weight on Leslie. Hey, you know, you're. Yeah, here's a company, run it while I'm yeah, in academia yeah, yeah. for run five, it. five and a half. How long is your program? Three years if I if I crush it. Yeah, that's easy. I still got to get in. I still got, I got a lot to do. But that's what I'm looking at. Good on you, man. I applaud anybody who jumps in both feet to a PhD program. It's like you. It's <laughs> challenging, man guys with your mentality that the discipline and direction and time management skills is what it's all about that's what you want man. And it's, it's not about hard. us yeah right i don't want to do business it. of saving lives yeah i don't want to do it that I'm was sure my you driving force the yeah. whole entire time I that's was right because that it was for something bigger than you yeah well that's the best part about once you go through that first part we did man and then you're on that, that other side and that, you know that lightning bolt that kind of hits you right there and like all right man then take a step back and it's all chaos then you're like, man, okay, wait a minute. I think I'm getting a pretty good understanding of what's happening here. And then next thing you know, something will run into you, and you're like, man, you ain't out here alone, man. You're not by yourself, right? There's other, it, 
Yeah. And it's okay to ask for help. It is perfectly okay. As a matter of fact, that's how you learn is you ask questions and then that's what molds you into what you're becoming. You got a pretty good grasp of that. Don't lose it, man. I You'll be a one of one see. with your background and then with a PhD and in, in, in what you're going to create. You'll be a one of one. And then just make more. Leaders build leaders. That's right. The best part about now, and this is what I love about the team guy mentality, is we went out and chased that, and then now you got all the guys coming out, and, and they're laureates now. So literally, the smart people don't know what to do with it. Because with, kind of with our generation, you know how they got everyone gets a trophy? Mm. Well, that's because our, our, our generation, I mean, we all got along, right? And, and then when the smart kids would come play sports, it wouldn't, you wouldn't, they wouldn't get a trophy. But, you know, they didn't repay the favor because in grades, they don't, they don't give us dumb kids A's. Right, but it's like, hey man, it's kind of the same thing. I'm, this is how I judge my, you know, how far they're progressing in, in this kind of avenue because there's education in, in everything that you do. It does it does define you, man, and you'll uh, you'll start to appreciate that more and more. It's the it's the baby step thing. I mean, every time you jump into something new, man, just like you did in the team, man, dropped off foreign man, foreign land, don't speak the language, don't understand what's going on, and with everything, you know, when you learn, you kind of start with the colors and and what's around you and how it works and, and build it from there um, dan thanks for being on the show man dropping some wisdom thanks for having me my head's full y'all's head full my head's full how can people find you follow you so i'm on uh i have instagram i post some stuff nothing what's your handle dan.p.luna228 i'm getting ready to do so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a website here pretty soon i think we bought the we bought the domain about to do launch a website I think I met some pretty smart people recently. Might help me out. And uh, I'm recruiting. I just hired my. I just had my first hire. I heard my mom. She's doing my books. <laughs> so, so I hired mom. Mom, you're. Yeah, mom, you're definitely. You're in it. Um, we talked about doing that with my mom too, man. But I don't think she. She I mean, she wants to do, but not that much. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Oh, my mom says hi. By the way. Oh, really? Tell him I said hello. Um, so I'm, we're actually like a two startup family right now. So my wife's getting ready to launch launch a, a company as well. So she's getting ready to launch a, a pretty cool product. Uh, Casing Kitchen will be um, her company that she's launching. So we're getting ready to launch that here pretty soon. So just a lot of exciting things going on. Sounds like a lot of irons in the fire. A lot. I'm doing, you know, doing a lot of nonprofit stuff, different things for in and around TBI. Been to, you know, I'm a big hyperbarics guy. Hyperbarics really? helped me out a lot, so I'm yeah, plugged in. I did my in. first year project over hyperbarics. Okay, so I'm plugged in with some Ray Reynolds. So from Reynolds Rap, just actually brought a group together. So he's putting a lot of energy and his resources behind it. Higher ups in the HBOT community are doing a a a log test on the SDV guys compared to the other guys. Mm, That'd be interesting. You know what I mean? As much bottom time as we have. Yeah. So women, big driving, like my wife has been amazing. My kids, you know, Gabe's 14 now. He's wrestling, getting ready for his first year of high school. Uh, My daughter, Alexandra, 10. She's my little boss. My twin, uh, she's amazing, mom. So just, it's great having that that strong, that strong family, and then the base, like having friends, the community outside of the teams, you know, having that brotherhood outside. That still, that still goes on is powerful. Mm-hmm. Truth. Hey, bro, that was great. It's great seeing you. Thank you for coming and sharing your story with us. 
Good luck in the future. 20 years picked up right where we left off, man. Yeah. Conversations we had back in the day were in depth too. I yeah. thought probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Look, now you think about it, but uh, man, that good job, bro. Freaking proud of you, man. That's awesome. Thanks, thanks again for doing this, Leslie. Sweetheart, love you. It's so good to see you again. I'm glad you're here. Let's go have some fun. Let's do it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good to see him again. Mm-hmm. Like other guys, been through a lot, but he dug down deep and found a way to come out of it. Looks like, like he and the misses are strong. It's great to see him though. He's a tough guy, man. I he had that that push since, since we were in Buzz, man. He he got me through a lot too. He, I'm glad we got to do that and to see how far he's come and everything. The way his mind's working now, he's going to do great things. I, I, it's truly awe inspiring to see our our teammates kind of come into their own like that, especially working on a PhD. Yeah. I wish, I almost wish everybody that was in the service, when they exited service, would launch into something like that. It's not easy to do, but it's doable. I think most people get scared of just the letters. And it's rewarding. Totally rewarding. You you can do it. It is scary, just like with everything else, but you can do it, and at the end of it, it's worth it. It's no harder than signing line and going to boot camp. Nope. Man, I spent some time with him before we started recording today, and he's fascinating. He's amazing. And that interview could have gone on for hours, and it it did. We, we spent a lot of time together today. So if you'd like to get extra access to the rest of that interview, uh, make sure to head over to Patreon. Make sure you're part of the team. You'll get that after action episode where we dive a little bit further into this stuff with with Dan. It was it was awesome catching up with him and it was super awesome to meet him. If you want to be the first one to know when we drop new episodes and you need to make sure you've subscribed to the show, you can press the purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or any other major podcast player to be notified the moment we release a new episode. Did today's episode ignite a new fire in you? If there's one thing that I've learned, it's that sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass, and your story could be the one thing that changes their lives forever. Take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, you know we keep our followers up to date with all kinds of stuff. And if you're not following us yet, you should be. You can join us at team underscore never quit on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere you like to be social. You can follow Marcus at Marcus Luttrell, Morgan at Mojo Luttrell, and me at Andrew Brockenbush all on Instagram. And, you know, thank you guys again for joining us. Thanks for joining us for another episode. It's always fun. We couldn't do this without y'all, and the fact that you keep bringing us back means more than you'll ever know. Thank y'all again for having us. God bless. We're out. God bless.